You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, missed you yesterday. Happy to have you back. How you doing? I'm good. It's uh, cold in Texas. Um, not as cold as Milwaukee, but um, it is cold here too. So, uh, yeah, I, I had to you know, put on my former Wisconsin resident hat and, and toughen up a little bit for a couple of days. So I've, I've become fairly soft, but I will be back for Christmas. So I, I feel like I got to get some, some reps in here <laughs> against the low 30 temps we've had uh, in Texas. So I'm not, not sure how long that'll last, but um, it's not just a Wisconsin thing right now. And uh, fortunately though, I have Milwaukee Bucks wins to keep me warm um, of late. So um yeah, nice couple days off here to uh, recharge. Uh, our not not just the players, but the fans get to recharge after that road trip. Um, two and two coming an unexpected way to get to two and two, but kind of expected maybe in some ways to get to two and two. Um, and uh, now, as we kind of mentioned a couple days ago, a long stretch of games that kind of are all going to be very winnable. Although I guess at this point, any game is winnable is winnable for the Bucks. So I don't want to. You know, there's we're kind of like dealing with a little bit of the new reality in that sense, but um, you know, a lot of home games coming up, and uh, some some tough teams, but um, those games are generally going to be at home, and um, the road games are are going to be against teams that you know you, that you would hope the Bucks would beat. So, um, given the schedule has been really difficult so far, hopefully that's been a way for the Bucks to kind of calibrate everything, and um, you know, hope, hopefully, just kind of keep things going and, and rip off a, a really good streak here over the next few weeks. And um, you know, starting things off against Memphis, which uh, you know feels like yeah, at this point, I, I remember a year. Do you remember they played Memphis fairly early last year before Memphis got kind of ravaged by all the injuries, and they beat the Grizzlies in Milwaukee, and it felt like a really good win, like. Because it was like, well, the Bucks are like whatever, and Memphis has been, had been pretty good, and it's kind of funny now because it's just like, I mean, we all expect them to like kill Memphis, and I don't know if they will, right? I mean, Memphis has some some solid players; they've won some games, um, so you know, you hope that you don't kind of fall into that trap of coming home and then having a really sluggish start to a homestand after a, a tough road trip. But um, you know, this is this is the new reality for the Bucks the expectations are high and I think the good news is they expect big things of themselves. And so, um, you know, every game is a test. Either you play a good team and you hope to beat a good team or you play a team that maybe isn't great. And you say, all right, guys, like take care of business, <laughs> KO these guys in the second quarter, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, use that depth to really, um, 
to really put it two teams. Yeah, it's it is, and I mean I've mentioned this a number of times, but you know we talked with Chris Middleton a little bit about it today, Brooke Lopez, Mike Boonholzer, like you know they're just kind of the way that they approach this season. Um, I'm curious. If if there's things I have questions about sustainability with, it's kind of this Bucks attitude of, you know, if you lose one game, like you're not on track and you have to get on back on track and, you know, you can't lose a second game. And like, you know, if you're a really good team, that's that's sustainable because, you know, you're not going to lose a lot of like two games in a row. Like that's not going to happen. You can bounce back after a loss. But, you know, if you're a bad team and you put that much pressure on yourself, obviously uh, things can kind of roll downhill the wrong way pretty quickly. Um, and I don't think this is a bad team. I think this is a, a good Bucks team. And, you know, I do kind of think it is the difference between being a good and a great team and, you know, holding themselves to high expectations. Like, I do think that's that's perfectly healthy. I'm just curious to see, you know, if, if they ever do kind of run into a longer losing streak, if that mentality kind of takes a little bit of a toll on them. But as of now, uh, it does seem to be uh, – pretty good like that that's a good idea to you know want to desperately get back and mike boonholzer said today like uh one he joked he's like yeah you you guys tell me that the players are telling you this but you know they must not tell me this stuff uh and i thought that was a pretty funny joke that you know like the players aren't telling mike boonholzer that you know we got to get we got to get right after we we lose a game, but he seemed pretty pleased that his players were imparting that idea onto the media. But he said the other idea is that, you know, there's there's always been teams throughout the years that you didn't want to play them after they lost or, or after they lost because they were going to, they were going to do everything in their power to get back on the right track. And uh, they were going to be extra focused those nights and and they just weren't going to be sloppy. They were going to take care of business. And he's like, you know, if we can be one of those teams, that's great for us. We've put ourselves in a really nice position that, you know, if we can become a team that teams don't want to play, uh, then play us the game after we lost lost or, or whatever it may be. It was just like, yeah, like that does seem like I do know teams like that, you know, like you do think about uh, some of like the really great teams like, yeah, you didn't want to play them after a loss because they were going to take it to you the next night and they were going to come out uh, with a really concerted effort and make sure that they were ready to go. And, you know, if this Bucks team turns into one of those teams, that that is undeniably uh, really a great thing. So um, a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about uh, since you were gone. Um, I threw like three topics out yesterday and uh, some other topics that I didn't throw out yesterday. I, I might have mentioned it or maybe we even mentioned it on Sunday. Um, but uh, Brooke Lopez, Splash Mountain. Are you in or are you out, Frank? Oh, I'm all the way in. Um, I think it was uh, our Twitter friend, uh 2LT Diesel, I believe, who came up with that one. Um, so yep. shout out to him. Um, and I don't know uh, how it got to John Henson so quickly. Like John Henson made an Instagram comment the night in Denver. Like I first heard about Splash Mountain from 2LT Diesel uh, literally during, I think either right before the game or during the first half of the game. Uh, and obviously like I had kind of pushed that out to the masses. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, 
John Henson is calling him Splash Mountain. Like, how did that get to John Henson? Um, so I guess uh, at all times, John Henson is is very logged on. So uh, if you're tweeting, be ready to go, because apparently John Henson's going to find it. See, I had thought that you had just like brought it up and asked about it to John Henson. I didn't realize that you no. knew about it when you guys were talking. That's interesting. Um, yeah, maybe John Henson, you know, uh, Marquise Daniels, who uh, former Buck, who if you mention Marquise <laughs> Daniels on Twitter, Marquise Daniels. Yeah. Will we'll respond tweet to you, you. Um, usually in like cryptic <laughs> ways, so you're not really sure what what he's talking about. Lots um, of emojis used, yeah. like lots of like uh, monocle emoji or like something like that, where it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll it. probably get like a two star review on iTunes from Marquis Daniels just because <laughs> we mentioned his name and he probably has like advanced speech recognition <laughs> algorithms. He's got the technology. Yeah, yeah he's he's uh, combing. <laughs> combing the regular web, the dark web podcasts for any type of mention of, of him. Um, shout out to Marquis Daniels and his weird van. Remember that van that, remember that? that, that yes, like, it was very strange. Yes. Um, yeah, that is interesting. But yes, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely here for Splash Mountain. Um, you know, I mean, there's nothing to, to dislike about it. You know, it's got the kind of Splash Brothers takeoff mountain reference um i like game of thrones you don't you're not aware of these things but there's also a character named the mountain who's like this fierce enormous human being so i kind of like that as like kind of sure. a i don't think that's really the the origin of it obviously but um it's it's kind of another fun little little piece of it um i don't think i ever went on the splash mountain ride at disney um i did but uh you know i'm aware of it so it worked and also like i i had no i I knew, but I had totally forgotten that Brooke Lopez is like a huge Disney fan. Yeah. And yeah. like, actually, I think he has a house. Like one of his houses is like a, at a Disney resort or something in Orlando. Really? Like he, he's like a big time Disney head. Um, so like when, when Matt Velasquez asked about today, he was like, I'm actually really partial to that nickname. I think, I hope it sticks. Like, I think it's great. And it was like, okay, you are officially Splash Mountain. Like, if you're into it, uh, everyone else is into it. Like, that's great. I know I was talking to John Henson a little bit about today. He was like, he's like, it's great for me because, you know, I, I'm aspiring to, you know, kind of get to where Brooke Lopez is. So, you know, I'm currently climbing Splash Mountain. Like, I'm trying to get there. And I was like, John, <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're the best. Um, <laughs> like, of course, you would say that. Um, so, yeah. OK, you're in on Splash Mountain. I, I have. Yeah. And just to add on that. So, um I'm I'm just looking at the story from the LA Times uh, by Tanya Ganguly um, earlier this year, which confirmed that Lopez has a house uh, in a residential community on Walt Disney World Resort property in Orlando, and he actually stayed there uh, before the Lakers played the Magic last season. So I assume when the Bucks play the Magic, he will also stay uh, in in his home. And apparently, he went to. Um, Let's see. So in the week before the oh oh so this so he loves Disney so much that in the week before the Lakers left for this road trip, Lopez went to Disneyland twice. Okay, so that's the one in California, obviously Disney World in, yes. in Orlando. So he's just hitting up everything basically. Um, so how, how so, does he enjoy it? He's seven foot monster. Like yeah. how, he can't fit on any of the rides, Kenny. Oh, I'm sure he must be able to. Here it says here. Asked about the differences between the parks, Lopez spoke uninterrupted for 81 seconds, explaining the history of Disney World, what Walt Disney wanted to create, and how the communities around the parks formed. Um, 
Interesting. Yeah. So um, that's that's something for you, especially when you're in Orlando. You got to get with Brooke and ask him. You know, did he uh, did he manage to to make it out to Disney World? I I went there. Um, so peek into my childhood. Um, we drove from uh, from Wisconsin to Orlando probably like four or five times for spring break growing up. Okay. We, we flew. Wait, did we ever? Actually, I don't know if we ever flew. We we stayed once in an embassy suites in Orlando, which I thought was amazing because it was like the you know embassy suites are a lot of times they're open in the middle, and yep. it was like one of these that was like enormous and it was like all open in the middle and it's like all like you know cavernous. And I thought that was really impressive. And there was a uh, they had like a breakfast free breakfast bar where I could get like all the unlimited Fruit Loops that I wanted. Um, yes. I now think Fruit Loops are gross. So, but I remember at the time like. I just found out my niece wanted to really desperately stay at a hotel when she was in Wisconsin for that reason, for Fruit Loops, because she's really impressed by hotels having Fruit yeah. Loops. So you are not alone in that. Yeah, I think it was because we didn't really have like sugary cereals growing up. So going to one of those yep. places, it was like, just pick the thing that has the most colors, you know? Um, and I didn't realize <laughs> that Lucky Charms was vastly superior to Fruit Loops at the time. So, you know, live Obviously. and learn. Um but yeah, that was the first time. And then multiple times, whenever we went afterwards, though, we drove in a minivan and we always would just like, my dad would just always find like, we would just drive up to like a cheaper place, um, like on the international drive in like Orlando and just get like a motel room. Mm-hmm. So we would just like totally kind of, you know, rough it, go cheap. Like we, we, we had a lot of Motel 6 uh, nights growing up. My dad is very value, very value conscious sure. um, shopper. Also shout out to my dad. For Veterans Day, retired Army Colonel Franklin M. Madden. Yeah, shout out to um, him. Shout out to my dad. Two tours in Vietnam. My uh, my my role model. Shout out to you, Dad. Uh, Locked on Bucks listener. I, I don't know if he's ever given a, a podcast review though. I may have to when I'm home. May have to show him how to uh, give us a five star <laughs> review. But um, come on, we can't have a Frank Madden review of our podcast. Like, that's true. That might it's look gonna show up as Frank Madden. It's gonna look bad for us. That's gonna that might show up a little sketchy. My mom has an iPhone now, so she could. Uh, we, we need to get her subscribing and, and rating and reviewing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so a lot of, man, this has been a digression. Uh, but yeah, a lot of time spent in Orlando uh, as a kid. And um, we, yeah, did not get to spend uh, any time on, uh, on on Disney World Resorts property, but we did go to uh, the Disney World lot. We pretty much did every possible thing you could do in Florida for like amusement parks. We never went to Miami. We never went that far south, but Bush Gardens, Cypress Gardens, yep. which is like Bush Gardens for old people who like flowers. Um, you know, obviously I was, Universal I've, Studios. Like I've been everything. to both. I've been to both gardens, Bush yeah. and Cypress. Uh, the first flight I ever took as a human boy, um, I guess as a human person, <laughs> uh, was to Florida to go to Disney World. I did it when I was five. I don't remember much of it. Um, my takeaways from it. Um, since we are going there were, um, one, like, I mean, I come from a, a proud family of florists. Um, so name's greenhouse and floral shout out. Oh yeah. So um, you guys would definitely go to Cypress gardens. Correct. So th- anything garden related, like we were going to hit that up. Um, so one definitely did that, uh, two first flight three. Um, I really liked the Orlando magic when I was a kid. And I was a big Penny Hardaway fan and a big Shaquille O'Neal fan. And I thought it was awesome to go there because I could buy 
or I could, I, I mean, I, you could buy them anywhere, but I found like specific Orlando magic pennants that I could then like hang in my room. So like, instead of getting Disney souvenirs, I got a shack pennant and a penny pennant and those hung in my room when I was a kid. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then I also found an Orlando magic hat and I wore that shit until it was like torn up because I thought it was the coolest thing ever that I had an Orlando magic hat. Um, so that was my Disney experience. Not big on the Disney, pretty big on Orlando magic gear. Um, so that, that was my experience. Also, I got too scared to ride space mountain cause I was five. My brother and sister were really mad at me cause we waited a long time in line. Uh, and then I chickened out at the end. So, uh, that is one thing they, they have not let me live down. I've, I've ridden many roller coasters since then, but five-year-old Eric could not handle space mountain. Just wasn't, just wasn't going to happen. I'm, I'm actually excited. Uh, I've heard, uh, like people I know who've been with their kids uh, in recent years and have gotten like the, the fast passes or whatever, like where you, you just mm-hmm. like, I guess, I, I think there are like multiple variants. It sounds like there's like some variants where like you, like the regular one, like you just schedule it and you just show up and you don't wait in line. And then other ones I've, I've heard, I heard, I've heard rumors. Oh, okay? wow. I've heard rumors hey, that like, you, can get, tonight. All right. you can get like certain passes that you just like can show up and you just skip the line. You just like, you know, it's like the Disney God pass or whatever. Yeah, and you yeah. just go, whatever. Um, which is kind of crazy to me because I I can't even process what Disney would be like without waiting in line an hour and a half to two hours yeah. for like every main attraction. Like that was just like part of what you did. And it's crazy because I mean, I remember going there when I was, you know, probably 10, 11 years old and waiting in lines and we didn't have phones. We didn't have things to yeah. like entertain us. Like you literally had to be just like a patient child which is kind of crazy like i i was a great kid so i mean whatever like i i guess i could deal with it but and they had like the stuff in line like where you know the video screens and stuff like that but yeah. i mean you spent like most of the day just sitting around in line um which now yes. it's kind of like man i guess when like the next time i go i'm like absolutely gonna fork out for whatever pass can get me to skip <laughs> stuff um and so i don't even know like how i'm gonna spend my day am i just gonna go on like multiple rides per day because i'm gonna have so much time or, or I don't know. I don't even yeah. know. I'm I mean, also, like, I need to figure out that like you had to like when I was going to amusement parks, like, you know, you had to schedule your day around like, OK, if we can sprint, like if we can get in immediately and sprint to like one of the biggest rides, like one of the best rides, then I don't have to wait as long in that line and it won't take up as much my day. So then like you could hit all of the rides that you wanted to because, you know, you got in there and you took care of business early. Like I totally agree. I like that was part of the planning was like, how am I going to use this map to my advantage and get to all of these rides and a fast pass? Like, I guess you just show up and you just, just, just ride. I, I don't know. It'd be wild. Yeah. I'm actually like having now, um, my daughter is now 10 months old, almost 10 months old. So I'm like, kind of like, Oh, like what, when's the, like, when would she actually be able to appreciate <laughs> going to, to Disney world? Um, sure. I don't, I don't know. Like I, parents at me on Twitter, tell me when it makes sense to take a child to, to Disney world. I feel like it's gotta be like five, five feels. Yeah. Right. I, I think you don't want to go. T- yeah. I mean, you definitely want to go, want to go too early. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we only have one, one kid right now. Like if we had another kid, then that probably also complicates it. Cause like, you don't want to go sure. when you don't want to go with like a five-year-old and like a, you know, 18 month old or something like that. Right. So the yeah. first kid probably suffers a little bit in a way because they have to wait longer probably for like the other kids to get old enough. Yeah. But then like they also probably appreciate it more because they're, you know, actually like, holy crap, 
like I'm finally going to Disney World. I also, I didn't go until I was, yeah, like probably 10 or 11. So I had to suffer through, you know, a decade of life without, without ever. Actually, that's not true. One of my first memories was Disneyland when I was probably three or four years old. So that actually, um, that actually does stick with me. That's literally one of my first memories is I can remember, I don't remember who there was some, someone in the, um, that, you know, they have the parade, uh, like every day, the parade of characters. Yeah, yeah, I forget yeah. who it was. I don't know. It was like Peter Pan or somebody, but I was a very shy kid. And some, some person who should, who was like very nice, I'm sure like tried to say hello to me. And I like, was just like my, I, I still remember that. Then my parents and like kind of joked around how I was like, afraid of some really you know likable character or something like that but all right we got to bury this um this is we're not there the bucks aren't even playing the magic um this is all because of just Splash you, Mountain, Mountain. The, the nickname um but yes uh it is a great nickname so shout out to to two lt diesel for that all right let's uh, do this and i uh-huh. my only disappointment my only uh, let me say this my only disappointment is that splash mountain does not really reference my my favorite brooke lopez thing is now the his three point celebration where he's <laughs> looks like he's taking a drag off a joint. Um, sure. I don't, I don't know Eric as a, uh, crack reporter. I don't know if you want to, um, well, cause uh, initially <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question. Sure. I don't know if you want to ask sure. him what he's doing because it's like, like who cares? Let the guys have fun, but it looks like he's smoking Brooke Lopez, you know, and he's hot. So, you know, let the guys have some fun with it. But um, yeah, it's 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 funny in a kind of, you know, junior yeah. high-ish sort of way uh, or 37-year-old man kind of way. In, in this Initially, case when I first saw it, and again, like I didn't get replays or like I, I never have a TV feed. I just have like, uh, you know, my own eyes trying to see from different vantage points. He broke it out for the first time or at least the first time I remember during the Clippers game uh, when he really got hot during that one. And it looked like he... Uh, was the way I described it when I first saw it was it looked like he was sniffing the three by his nose and then like throwing it out as though it was, uh, as though it was like snot or something. That's what I thought the first time. And then the second time I saw it in Denver, I I thought again that, you know, I saw it go up to the mouth and then there's a clear toss. And I wasn't sure again, if it was, uh, near the nose, like he was smelling something and throwing it away. Uh, but it does very much appear as though he is smoking something and then tossing it. So um, we'll see. Uh, Brooke, Brooke has been asked a lot of questions in the last 48 hours about uh, his three-point activity. Um, so that might need to wait for, for a little while. He might be um, kind of all questioned out on that. But we'll see, um, as you said, as, as I am a, a crack reporter, well, not okay um a crack reporter i will go out there and you know i'll ask the tough questions that that's that's something i can do so we'll see what we can figure out there all right things that we actually wanted to talk about today so i wanted to talk a little bit about Giannis's struggles we can kind of preview the game against the grizzlies i don't know how much there is a preview essentially they have mike conley they have marcus Saul. um jaron jackson jr is really fun uh he's a rookie and the rest of the team is just kind of guys that you've probably seen before and you've thought, oh, okay, that guy's kind of a nice player. Um, or maybe guys that you saw before and were like, oh, that guy's not very good. Um, but they're they're kind of winning games and they found a way to do it thus far. So that's, you know what? That's my Grizzlies preview. I'm not going to go any further than that. Do you want to, do you have anything else to add on the Grizzlies, Frank? The Grizzlies are 
the not the grizzlies are not bad, but they're just like so boring to me. Also, um, they play very slow. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of those interesting like styles, you know, it's kind of styles make fights type type yeah. thing, like how how is that going to kind of mesh with um with what the Bucks want to do? Um cuz I I feel like I'm looking at their um I'm looking at their their defensive shot profile, okay? Um and they're like middle of the pack in terms of allowing rim attempts. Um they are in the 5th percentile in terms of corner 3 a lot, corner 3 is allowed, meaning they give up a ton of corner threes and their starting lineup is in the zero percentile. <laughs> 13% of all attempts have been corner threes. So they give up a lot of corner threes. They're about middle of the pack in terms of giving up above the break threes. Um, so yeah, hopefully that means that, uh, and they're, they're bottom, they're like bottom quarter in terms of all threes in terms of like the volume of threes they allow. So hopefully that means that, you know, they're not going to be a team that totally locks down the Bucks' ability to get, um, to get good looks at threes. And, um, you know, certainly with Gasol and Lopez, there is a, you know, some to some degree of Spider-Man meme kind of thing going on there with, um, you know, both guys that can step out and are not super mobile, but can do things defensively that actually help. You know, uh, obviously Gasol, a former defensive player of the year, Brooke, Brooke is not, obviously, but um, I think Brooke's been a really you know, generally a positive impact on the defense. And um, obviously, you know, we've talked about some of his limitations, but um, it'll be interesting to see the two of them because, um, you know, I, <laughs> Gasol, <laughs> Gasol shooting, th- shooting threes, certainly, you know, you worry a little bit, obviously, you know, we, we saw what Jokic could do. I mean, Jokic is probably a great, like, you know, like Jokic is kind of the deep end for defending a guy like Gasol because Jokic is better, basically a, like a much better version of Gasol offensively at this point. Um, so we'll be interested to see like if Gasol also like basically becomes a three point shooter against the Bucks the way Jokic did um, and, and wasn't able to hurt them as much of the pass. And then likewise, obviously, um, you know, Lopez being able to kind of drag him out to the perimeter would, uh, would be certainly a positive. So it'll be interesting to see. And I, I'm curious, cause I mean, I guess Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to guard Giannis, um, which um, could be fun. Cause you know, Triple J is a guy who obviously is considered to have a super high ceiling defensively uh, long term, and he's really long and um, athletic. And, he's good and um, fun. Yeah, and so he, you know, this will be obviously a great test for him, and but also a good test for Giannis just to see sort of how he manages him. I, I would hazard that Jaron Jackson Jr. has never seen anybody like Giannis, um, so hopefully the uh, first time <laughs> he can get the better better of him. Um, but you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that kind of shakes out. But yeah, the Grizzlies are totally fine and unoffensive um but also pretty boring so fingers crossed the bucks do what they've been doing and take care of business so we'll see how it shakes out i'm i'm just glad to get more basketball i would totally agree um this is kind of a weird stretch six i think six games in 11 days um all at home obviously but you know that's kind of a lot of I don't want to say a lot of off days but you know there's off days pretty consistently in between all these games until uh, this ends with a back-to-back next Friday and Saturday uh, with Phoenix and San Antonio so um, I just think you know it's kind of 
going to kind of be a, a interesting spot here for the Bucks and to kind of see what they can do. Memphis, Chicago, Denver, Portland, Phoenix, San Antonio. Uh, obviously, Phoenix and Chicago should be some wins there, but Memphis and San Antonio have both been interesting, and Denver and Portland, obviously, the Bucks just saw, and those two teams are uh, near the top of the Western Conference. So uh, should be an interesting six-game homestand here for the Bucks. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about and have you talk about a little bit was, um, you know, I just kind of feel like, I, and I brought this up in talking a little bit about Eric Bledsoe yesterday, was that, you know, we've seen Eric Bledsoe get the ball a lot at the end of games. And I think that's something that always stresses Bucks fans out. And, you know, they don't like it because at times he is careless with the ball. He can make some bad decisions at times. Uh, he can miss some close shots. Like he's, he's very clearly not Giannis. Um, so like all of those things uh, can kind of get on Bucks fans nerves. But I mean, I think to me, it spoke to over the, over the weekend in those two games, it kind of spoke to, uh, Giannis struggling a little bit. And uh, and again, I, I know I have to obviously always qualify that with Giannis is putting up MVP numbers. Um, but, you know, like, it, it is just kind of weird at times to see Giannis not getting by guys that you think he can get by. Um, not, not seeing him punish mismatches that, you know, we've seen him punish over the years and especially this year in the Bucks kind of pace and space and, you know, seeing him being terrified of taking threes of, of that jumper of not wanting to do it. And um, I don't know, like it's just, it's kind of a, a weird spot. Obviously I wrote about it at the athletic Wisconsin the other week that, you know, he did mention he is still trying to figure out where his spots are in this offense. He is trying to figure out what he's supposed to do in this offense. Like he is trying to figure out all those things. So like we do know that there is, some kernel of truth in it. Uh, he had said after the Kings game that he, he kind of thought he had figured out where his spots are and what he's supposed to do. And I mean, I think in that four game road trip, uh, aside from him looking like the absolute best player on the floor for portions of that uh, Warriors game and probably like the second and third quarter, there was portions where it's like, oh, he's very clearly the best player on the floor. I think in, in Portland against the Clippers and against the Nuggets, it, we did see him struggle. Um, and then obviously something that highlights all of that is over the weekend, 5-11 from the free throw line against the Clippers and 0-5 at the line against the Nuggets. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm curious just kind of state of Giannis for you right now, Frank, like what, what are you thinking about? And you know, what are you kind of seeing with him? Well, I think we need to compartmentalize this stuff a little bit. Like I think the, sh the, the, the fear of shooting three pointers. I mean, that's obviously I think real, his confidence is not there. This is not to me something that is going to, you know, limit his ability to be an MVP this year. I, I don't think, you know, you can't go to him late in games because he's not willing to shoot threes or something like that. Because again, they space everybody around yeah. him, and if they crash on him, then he's just going to pass out. So I, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like oh, like he's got to be the number two option in crunch time because he's not shooting three. I mean, no, like that, that's not, that, that's not it. Um, and the free throws are obviously, you know, especially for me, like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't stand watching Giannis miss free throws. That's my personal like uh, personal hell uh, watching Giannis miss free throws because he should make them. <laughs> um, and he's obviously missed a lot. Uh, but I, I I have to push back on some of the other stuff like not punishing mismatches. I mean, he's not shooting jump shots. 
and he's averaging 25 points a game, finishing 78% at the rim. I mean, I think at this point, like, it's almost like our standard is if he doesn't, like, dunk on every dude who <laughs> tries to guard him. You know, and, and I really, I mean, we talked about it, right? like, Gallinari, like, got him to, like, baited him into a couple charges. Like, you know, there's definitely times where it's like, yeah, sometimes he is, like, just murdering dudes, and sometimes, like, he makes some turnovers or gets the offensive fouls, things like that. But somehow he's doing all this stuff, right? Like he's, you know, I, I, I think we do. And I, and I do it too. Right. Like I fall into the trap of like, well, because he's not like just literally killing everybody immediately that it's almost like, Oh, he's not quite himself. And I think there are, there are aspects where, you know, the, the, the confidence in the jump shot, the turnovers, right. I mean, the turnovers have been, a, have been way up this year. Um, he's obviously, I think, I think the stuff about lacking some comfort in terms of like where he is and kind of making some decisions, I think there is still some, you know, he's not necessarily always playing as, as being able to play as instinctively as maybe, you know, you want him in his ideal state. But, you know, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and they were talking about, um, I guess his nephew slash producer, Kyle took his son to see the bucks on, uh, in LA against the Clippers. And, you know, a game where I, I referred to Giannis having a D-plus game offensively late in the fourth quarter. And, you know, these people who don't watch Giannis every game, I mean, they're just saying about how incredible he was and how, like, <laughs> there's nobody else like him. And yeah. they're, they're not nitpicking anything about Giannis, right? Like, this is a game the dude put up 27, sure. 18, 4, 4, 5 steals, 2 blocks, right? So... Yeah, I mean, like, there's going to be some degree of nitpicking if we're complaining about things after a game like that or if we're not starting with the incredible. Um, because, yeah, Gallinari, you know, got him a couple times. And then, yeah, Giannis also threw down, like, just an insane Euro step lefty dunk on him, too, in overtime. So, um, so I think there's absolutely yeah. room for him to get better. Um, but I also want to make sure that, you know, to be clear, and I think, I mean, you mentioned it, too, like, he's also, like probably the MVP right now. <laughs> like, I mean, if you had a vote right now, yeah, I, I don't think anybody else would, would have as compelling an argument just based on massive stats, advanced numbers they and team success. Um, and, and also having kind of like, he is the clear alpha and omega of this team. Um, you know, I think Steph, uh, especially when, you know, before <laughs> Steph having the bad game and when the, when the Bucks killed them, obviously sort of took a little bit of a shine off his campaign. I mean, it's one game, right? But now he's, he's been hurt. So it's really early, but, um, you know, I think when you look at the candidates, you know, Steph, a little bit of a boring candidate cause the Warriors are so good. And, you know, he, you know, you've got Durant there and clay and, you know, it's, it's just harder for them because they have so much talent. Um, so there's Steph there and Anthony Davis has had a little bit of some injury worries and just hasn't really been as good since he hurt his elbow and the Pelicans have had some ups and downs. So um, I think between like Curry, yeah. Anthony Davis and Kawhi, who obviously Kawhi has been good, um, but hasn't been like lights out crazy MVP Kawhi, even though the Raptors have been great. Um, I think to me, it's going to be one of those four guys. And like right now, um, you know, as much as Giannis has had his flaws, um, I think he's been so good at what he is good at, um, you know, basically creating shots, finishing, um, playmaking, and then being just like, you know, a menace on defense. Um, you know, I, I think as much as I think it's 
reasonable, especially on a podcast like ours, where we are really diving into the depths of stuff. We're not, you know, you guys listening are not people who just get a once a month update on what Giannis Dedekumbo is doing. Like you guys want to know the details of what's happening and how he can be even better. Um, I think there's obviously good reasons we talk about the minutia and we do kind of nitpick things. Um, But yeah, it's, it's kind of hard because you do want to balance the fact that he is completely incredible and one of a kind and doing things that are, you know, no player like this is it, Eric, we may get better versions of Giannis, but we will, (laughs) we will not see a better player play for the Milwaukee Bucks. Like that's, that's just, that's just the reality. Like that's just playing the the percentages. Um, This is, this is the guy. And so um, we also always want to acknowledge that, especially as the team is, is succeeding and playing at such a high level, but yeah. And again, it's kind of, it's kind of exciting because we can talk about legitimately things he can get better at and (laughs) what happens when he gets better at it. And, and again, it's like, like, I hate the whole, like, to me, the whole, like, oh, well, when he, when he figures out his jump shot and becomes a good jump shooter, it's like, he doesn't even have to become a good jump shooter. Just be like a mediocre jump shooter doing (laughs) all the other things you're doing. And, you know, like be a 30% three point shooter like a year ago. And holy crap, like, you know, he's, he's averaging like 2.2. I think, I think he'd be averaging like almost two points more per game if he was just shooting threes at the, at the rate he did a year ago. Um, I was just looking at the numbers. So yeah, (laughs) it's, it's pretty, pretty absurd right now. And um, we're spoiled that we even kind of, you know, have the leeway to kind of nitpick, but um, that's, that's the kind of fun of Giannis. Like we, we get to enjoy all this and crazy, crazy stuff. And then we can still kind of say, Actually, there's even more he could be doing. Yeah, I think what's really interesting was the dunk number you had yesterday. I can't even remember how ridiculous it was. Like three twenty. Yeah, something. he had hundred. He had one hundred and sixty-one dunks going into the Nuggets, or one hundred and sixty-one dunks last year. And this year, as of going into the Nuggets game, he was on pace for like three hundred sixty dunks, <laughs> um, which he he was slightly ahead of Rudy Gobert going into that game. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he is dunking at a rate that is you know more than 2x what he was last year and, and why i think that number is really interesting is because i do wonder if you know part of these quote-unquote struggles and again like i said he's he's an incredible basketball player but you know part of the struggle i do wonder is that you know uh his dunking on people is is undeniably efficient offense um it it could literally not be more efficient um unless you added some fouls to it and and ones um it, like it you, you just can't do anything really better than that and i i do wonder you know we've seen so many of these turnovers have been charges offensive fouls and you know we we end up debating like oh was it action offensive foul like oh was that bullshit like all that stuff but you know uh because he he has made dunking look so easy and getting to the basket look so easy like you know i do think those two things are kind of intertwined is that you know for him to be as aggressive as he needs to be to get to the basket to get those dunks like well you know i think you probably got to swallow a couple charges uh just because it's going to be tough for him to keep dribbling into dunks because that's not something people do like if people don't get dunks like that uh you're not the league leader in dunks because you created those yourself like you're the league leader in dunks because you're a role man uh that gets an alley-oop thrown to him like that's 
that's essentially the history of the league's dunk leaders, right? Like even going back to Shaq, like he, maybe he might post up a guy and get a guy underneath the rim, but also he was getting alley-oops. Dwight Howard was the same way. Rudy Gobert, uh, DeAndre Jordan, all those guys were getting those dunks because they had someone else create them for them. And Giannis is just this insane anomaly that somehow self-creates his own dunking opportunities and dunks more than anyone else in the league. Like it's, it just doesn't really add up. And you know, like those turnovers, a lot of them on the way to the basket, probably a byproduct of that. And I, one, I, I don't know if there's a way to fix it in two. I don't want to say you don't want to fix it, but also that aggressiveness I think is so central and so key to what it is that Giannis does. Yeah. And I, I'm actually kind of curious now to, um, to look up like the assist rate on Giannis's dunks versus the assist rate on um, like Rudy Gobert, who, who is, you know, the next guy uh, on the, the dunk list. Cause I mean, that's the thing, like y- you do get spoiled and, you know, like like the Portland game, like he wasn't a he wasn't dominating the board game, right? It, it felt like a really mediocre offensive performance from Giannis. But then there were still just like I'm just thinking of that play. I think it was against Evan Turner, where he basically was just like like backing, like got the ball in the post and sort of like worked him, and then basically yep. just like at one point just turned around and just like dunked, you know, with one hand over the top of Evan Turner. And then there was another play it was like on the baseline where he just sort of shimmied, went baseline, and and dunked and. You know, those are just those are plays that are almost kind of commonplace for um, for Giannis to do, but f- for normal humans, normal humans, for normal NBA players, um, you know, that's the highlight of yep. the season, highlight of a lifetime, or whatever, because they just they just can't do that. Um, so it's yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I think there have also been games where um, you know he ends up getting a lot of, of easy buckets um, because other guys kind of make plays and like. The Indiana game, first first home game of the season. Um, Bucks get off to a slow start, and then you know Giannis basically kind of played like a big man for a while. Got a bunch of like dunks, layups, yeah. kind of off easy baskets from other guys creating, um, and so that that kind of you know helped a lot. Um, so just to give you guys, um, well, unfortunately, I don't have um, I don't have uh, dunks um, broken out specifically um, by assist percentage, but. This year, Giannis, um, his assisted percentage on two-point field goals, which obviously a lot of them are dunks, um, is 42%. It's basically been pretty much steady the last three years. 42% this year, 43% last year, 42% the year before. Um, so, you know, to, to the extent that obviously gives you a sense. I mean, he's more than doubled the percentage of shots he attempts that are dunks. He's at 28% of his shot attempts are, are dunk attempts. Um, so, obviously, a lot of those are, are him just you know, clearing out and and just doing his thing or, you know, obviously in transition, you know, he obviously will just dribble and, you know, do his, um, um, I think it's that, that play that, that kind of Dwayne Wade sort of popularized and called it, I think it's been called the windmill crossover where basically you, it's not really a Euro step so much as where you like kind of pull the ball over the defender from like right to left. Um, and with Giannis, he's able to dunk so so often. <laughs> like by the time the guy realizes what's happened, he's like under the uh, rim. I'm under the rim. Oh no! I mean, I mean, he, you know, like the one he did that to Taj Gibson, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's just like these are not small human beings he's doing this to. But nope. you know, these guys just start like backpedaling, backpedaling, and they're just like overwhelmed by just like his length and arms and legs. And you know, next thing you know, he's dunking on them. Um, and you know, I, I just looked up Gobert, basically double. His, he's at eighty-two and a half percent assisted 
two point shots. So basically two X, you know, which isn't surprising. Like Rudy Gobert is just, you know, pretty much, you know, dunking lobs and maybe get some put back dunks, things like that, that are unassisted. But for Giannis, obviously, um, you know, he is really the engine of the Bucks offense and so many of his field goals are um, shots that, that he's creating himself. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he's 79% in the restricted area in terms of um, his finishing this year, which is incredible that he's increased his share of shots in the restricted area by 10% and his, his field goal percentage has gone up from 75.6 to 79.2%. Um, also, because I quoted his numbers, his shooting numbers, this sort of just gives you um, a sense of how quickly these things move early in the season, given the small samples. But, you know, all of his like other non-restricted area n- numbers were down in terms of his percentages. After that Nuggets game where he hit some mid-range shots, his 10 to 16 foot number up to 39%, which is his best <laughs> number since his second year when he was 42%. And his long two percentage is actually up to 40%, which is the best number of his career. He was 39% in his second season, 33.9% last year. Um, still bad on three to 10 feet, career worst 20 or career worst since his rookie year, 27%. But, um, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things that, yeah, I mean, if his, you know, mid-range numbers hovered at 39 to 40% all year long, you'd actually be very happy with that. So, um, you know, again, maybe that's a sign that his jumper isn't completely broken right now. Like he is at least still making those shots. Um, but again, like one good game can throw it or throw it up, throw it higher. One bad game can kind of knock it down. And, um, you know, his free throw percentage down to 66% nails on a chalkboard when I say that. Um, <laughs> so he needs to, uh, hopefully he'll have, you know, like a 10 out of 11 game or something like that here soon to, uh, to try to bump that number up. But yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the spoiled life we live, Eric, as podcasters who get to, you know, <laughs> talk about Giannis and news um, on on what he's amazing at and, you know, what his quote unquote struggles entail and, and you know, how even in his struggles he he can be at just a ridiculously high, uh, ridiculously high, performing at a ridiculously high rate. All right. I think that's going to be it for us for today. Uh, obviously, Grizzlies game coming up uh, tonight. Bucks Grizzlies first of six at home in a row for the Bucks. So we'll see what they can do tonight. Frank and I will talk about it after the game. For Frank, man, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.